0: Guys, and Bethany, thank y'all. Kim and Jerry, thank you for having us in your home. Um, Again, we're once again grateful for your hospitality and generosity and happy to see y'all today. Bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, It's a special day in the life of our church. Uh, We're going to have four people after we study God's Word who've decided to follow Him in Believer's Baptism. And just publicly declare their faith in Him, their love for Him, and their commitment to follow Him. And so I'm very excited about that. Uh, before we do that though, I just wanted to talk with you for a few minutes. I sent you, or Justin, sent you a passage of Scripture a couple days ago from Judges chapter 4, 5, and 6. And uh, Not Judges, my bad. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6. That was written during the time of the Judges. But it's 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6. And uh, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it has to do with a time in the history of Israel when they were in an ongoing generational battle with the Philistines. War, if you will with the Philistines, the neighbors of Israel on their western side. And uh, they had been fighting them for literally hundreds of years. Sometimes Israel did better. Sometimes the Philistines did better. Uh, At this moment in the life of Israel in uh, 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6, Israel is not doing good militarily. They're getting their fannies whipped regularly. And uh, they don't know what to do. By the way, just so you know, the word Philistine is the root word for Palestinian. The word Philistine and Palestine are literally the same word. And so isn't it ironic that the battles and the wars and the hostility between Israel and the Philistines, nothing's changed. It's going on 3,500 years later they still hate each other's guts. Nothing's changed. Nothing's improved. It's still a continual war. But nonetheless, at this time in Second uh, in 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6, um, uh, it, the Israelites and the Philistines are in this war. It's not going good for Israel. And so Israel comes up with a, an idea. They decide that they might get an edge on defeating the Philistines, if they get the Ark of the Covenant, that box, that golden box that stayed in the tabernacle in Shiloh, they wanted to take that box which represented the presence of the Lord and they wanted to bring it into battle with their army. Thinking thinking that uh, some of you wish I'd fallen in, didn't you? Uh, Thinking that... If they had the Ark of the Covenant with them, that would somehow give them a good luck charm and help them win the next battle. Well, if you read that passage that I sent to you, you realize that it didn't help. That having that golden box with their army did not give them any benefit at all. Because God does not respond to good luck charms. Some of y'all put all this faith in um, crystals or in spiritual tattoos. I don't care if you wear a tattoo or not, but I can tell you this right now. Having tattoos or not having tattoos is not going to open up the windows of heaven and. Help you find favor, or power, or benefit with God. Spiritual jewelry, religious jewelry, religious artifacts. Um, uh, that's not how God works. I'm Shirley, and I are watching this um, this series called um, "The Last Kingdom," and it's about the beginnings of the the of Great Britain and how that was formed, and it's an excellent series. And one of the things that happens in this series is that it shows you how the kings of that day, they believed that if they could get the bones of some of the earlier saints, a tooth or a jawbone or a finger or a toe from some spiritual person and keep that with them, that somehow that would give them Favor with God or benefit or power. What this story reminds us of in 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6 is that that's not how God works. God does not give us favor based upon little spiritual or religious um, trinkets or things that we might do. That's not the way He works. End result of the story is that the Israelites fight the Philistines and the, the Philistines hand them their rear ends on a platter. And they beat them. Thousands of Israelite soldiers are killed. And they lose the war. And worse, the Ark of the Covenant, that which represented the favor and the presence of God, is captured by the Philistines and taken back to Philistia. Now, I don't have time today to go into all the, 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 the details of that uh, story. I wish you'd go home and read it because it's an incredible story. Uh, it's filled with all kind of satire and humor. And at the, the, the bottom line of the story is this. There comes a time when God decides, I want the Ark of the Covenant to go back home. I want it to go back to the tabernacle in Shiloh, in Israel. And when God decides that that, it's time for that to happen, He sends it back. And He does it in a a remarkable way. And the point of the story is that God sends the ark back to Israel without the help of the people of God. God sends the, the captured ark back to Israel without anyone's help. And you see this principle, this picture, this this image running through the Old Testament. Um, Times when the people of God are facing problem and enemy and suffering and need and battle. And not every time, but consistently God tells His people stop, be still, be quiet, don't do anything, watch me work on your behalf. He does it in Exodus 14 for Moses, he does it in Judges 7 for Gideon, he does it for Joshua and Joshua 10, King Joram in 2 Kings 7, King Hezekiah in 2 Kings 19, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He uses different wording, but he says the same thing. You're facing a huge need, problem, or enemy. I don't want you to do anything except be still and quiet and let me fight on your behalf. The message that he's trying to teach his people then and he's trying to teach us now is that God does not need our help. In Second Chron- uh, Chronicles chapter 16, the Bible says that the Lord's eyes run throughout the entire earth seeking people that he can help whose hearts are devoted to him. don't remember anything else today i want you to remember this the god of the bible is not looking for workers the god of the bible is not looking for assistance the god of the bible is not looking for servants that's not what god is doing God could not be more different than every store in Memphis. Have you been in a store in the last six months that didn't have a sign out front? Workers wanted. Associates needed. Please come and join our team. We need you. Every store in Memphis has that sign out. God doesn't. God does not have that sign because He's not looking for workers. He's not looking for servants. He's not looking for assistants. That's not who the God of the Bible is. Going back to that show that Sherry and I watch, uh, The Last Kingdom. If you watch that show, one of the things that you learn about the early kings of Great Britain, you know what their number one job? There was all these little kings that had these little kingdoms all over the place. And do you know what the number one job of the king was? They were continually recruiting soldiers to be a part of their army to help them win their battles. I want you all to know, and I need to be reminded, God's not trying. He ha- doesn't have a uh, one of those temp agencies trying to hire workers. That's not who God is. Rare is the day that I don't get a an email or a text from the Republican Party or from the Democratic Party begging me to join their team and help them win the fight and win the cause and all that all that mess. Um, they're begging me to become a part of their team. I want you all to know that is not who God is. God is not pursuing us out of a need for workers God needs no one God needs nothing Uh, Robin I'm gonna read your passage again not because you did a bad job you did a great job but it's worth hearing in Job 22 we are challenged and asked four questions does God need your help are even the wisest of you of any use to God Does your right living benefit Him in any way? Does God Almighty gain anything if you follow Him? And the answer is no. Four questions asked, four answers given. No. He is not benefited if I join the team. If I glean His wisdom if I obey His rules, if I work for Him. The Bible presents a God to us who is bringing blessings and provision, not a God who is in need of blessings and provision. Psalm 50 says, I don't want your sacrifice for all of the Beast of the forest belong to me, as well as the world and all of its fullness. I own it all. I possess it all. You can't bring anything in that adds to my abundance. Psalm 15, uh, Proverbs 15 says, "God hates the sacrifice of the wicked, but the request of the upright, please Him. God's not blessed or pleased by people coming and saying, God, I'm going to add to You by giving this. What God is pleased with is people who come and say, God, I'm the one in need. I'm not bringing You anything. I'm asking for you for Your help. I need You. It's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 11. He said, come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says basically the same thing in Luke 4. I have come to proclaim the good news to the poor, release to prisoners, healing to the blind, and freedom to the oppressed. Notice the people that Jesus is seeking. People who have empty pockets and broken legs and paralyzed arms and deceived minds and blackened hearts. He is pursuing people who bring Him nothing but are willing to receive from Him. Isaiah 46 says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I am the Lord and there is none like Me. One of God's immutable qualities One quality that God does not share with anyone else that exists is that He needs nothing. He needs no one. He possesses infinite power, infinite provision, infinite abundance, infinite resources. God is looking for opportunities and for ways to share His abundance. And that makes him completely unique and different from all other religions and all other gods. Listen to what Isaiah 44 says. He who trusts in idols feeds on ashes. His deluded heart misleads him. His God cannot save him. And he's afraid to even ask the question, is this thing in my right hand a lie? People that worship other gods, who follow other belief systems and religions, they are confronted with a God or with a system of belief that demands of them, we need you. You must give and share. You you are in need. This God needs you. The God of the Bible does not operate that way. God works for us. Isaiah 64 says, Since time began, no one has seen or heard of a God who works for those who wait for Him. Let me read that again. Isaiah 64. Since time began, no one has seen or heard of a God who works for those who wait for Him. God is working for us. He's not seeking helpers, workers, or assistance to meet His needs or to accomplish His plans. It's important that we see that and it's important as we read the Bible that we, we identify ourselves with the right people. Let me say that again. Many of you are reading through the Bible with me. And I'm so happy that you are. As we read these Bible stories, it's very important that we identify ourselves with the right characters. By example, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. We just read it today, if you're reading through your Bible with me. We read about David and Goliath. I have a question for you Who are you in that story? Are you the ungodly, mean-spirited, hate-filled giant? I know a couple of you might be. No, no. Are you the giant? Then that means you must be David. If you're not the giant, you must be David. You know, the young, uh, uh, courageous Uh, A warrior of faith who's trusting God and defending God's reputation and standing up for the people of God. If you're not the giant, you must be David. No. I don't know about you, but when I read that story early this morning, do you know who I identified with? Hopefully not the giant, but surely not David. you know who I identified with? the soldiers hiding behind the trees and the rocks, shaking in fear, hoping upon hope, praying against prayer that God would send a champion to defeat their enemies and give them rescue. Do you see? It's important that we... Let me give you another example. Uh, In the New Testament, uh, the... um, uh, you know, the Good Samaritan. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? I ask again, who are you in that story? Are you the, the religious, busy, moving and shaking, successful, got things to do, been serving God, and now you're heading home, but you're busy, you're important, you've got things to do, too many things to do to take notice of somebody in need. Is that who you are? Or maybe you're the nice Samaritan who uh, had time to stop and he saw that person that had been beaten up. And he stopped and he gave him help and he, he, he showed him love. Maybe you're that person. But you know when I read that story recently, I hope I'm not that religious knothead that was walking on by. But I'm also not the good Samaritan. Do you know how many people I drive by every day because I'm too busy and too important? Do you know who I am in that story? God wants me to see that I'm the fella that was beaten up. I'm the guy laying on the side of the road. I'm the guy that's near death. I'm the guy that needs somebody to come and help me. That's the whole point of all these stories in the Bible. Um, The story of Noah and the ark. The story of Moses um, uh, rescuing the, um, the Israelites out of Egypt. The story of uh, the, the story of, Israel, of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, traveling through the wilderness, crossing the Jordan River, conquering Jericho, taking the promised land. In all these stories, what God wants us to see is that He's the one doing this. He's the one that is committed to and actively involved in taking care of us and meeting our needs. God did not need any of those people. Joshua, Moses, Noah, uh, 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 and on and on and on. Solomon. God did not need these people to accomplish the work that God wanted done. The story of uh, uh, Psalm 23. The 23rd Psalm most famous chapter in the Bible. What's the point of that story? When we read that story, what does God want us to see? Psalm 23 is not a call to more faithfully serve the shepherd. Psalm 23 is a call of God to receive from the shepherd leading and provision and protection and blessing God's not asking us to bring our sufficiency God's not asking us to bring our abundance our wisdom our righteousness God is asking us to bring our need our failure our sin our guilt our shame because that's when God is freed to work the most mightily in our lives the gospel the gospel is not the declaration, see how good God can make you. The Gospel is the message, see how good God is to you. God does invite us into a relationship with Him. God invites us to work. God invites us to serve. God invites us to sacrifice. But it's not out of need it's out of joy. I was thinking, I already forgot that boy's name. Um, who's that boy that's going to be the King of England? What's his name? You know he's going to be the next King of England? William. William. And what's his wife's name? Yeah, 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 but what's his wife's name? Kate. Alright. I wonder if when William... Uh, asked Kate to marry him. I wonder if before William did that, he made Kate do a credit app. Just to see how much he's bringing to the table. I need to know how much you're chipping in on this endeavor. Do you think he did that? No. Or, um. oh Lord... Um. Angelina Jolie. She adopted a bunch of orphans from Africa. I wonder if before she adopted them, she made them fill out some kind of a test to see if they possessed the qualities that would help them earn their keep before she made a final decision. Do you think she did that? No. No, she didn't do that. Because these decisions were not based upon what these others could bring to the table. We've been studying the Beatitudes one Sunday night a month right here at Kim and Jerry's. Or as a church. And we have had the best groups and the best studies. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And there's a lot to learn about the Beatitudes. But at the end of the day, One of the most powerful messages about the Beatitudes is that God is not offering to include people. God is not seeking people who can offer Him much. God is seeking people who are willing to receive much from Him. God is continually inviting us to serve Him to work for him to be a mean to sacrifice for him but he's doing that so that we can be included in what he's doing we can be a part of something that's real that matters that lasts we can serve alongside him and in the process get to know him and understand who he is and his ways i would just end today by just saying to you so many of us are so stressed and so overwhelmed with so many problems, so many battles, so many needs, so many issues, and we feel this weight on our shoulders. How can I carry the lives of my kids? my mate, my business. On and on and on. We feel this weight, we feel this responsibility to carry all of these issues and problems and needs. I would just remind us, and I think we need to be reminded regularly, God is not looking for helpers or workers or assistance. God is not looking to me or you to fix all the problems, fix everyone's issues. God is at work on our behalf. He is the God who works on behalf of those who will wait for Him. At the end of the day, you know what Jesus said that God was calling us to? Listen to what Jesus says in John 6. The work of God is this. To believe in and trust the One that He has sent. That's the work that God asks of you and me. Just trust me. Trust me. Join me. I'd love for you to join me. You'll get a glimpse of who I am and you'll be a part of things that will matter and last. But it's not your responsibility to fix everything and to make everything good. I've got it. I'm gonna handle it. And I'm gonna do a better job than you could if you'll just trust me and believe in me. Okay? We're gonna take the Lord's Supper. Uh who's gonna tell I tell you what? Um Clay, I'm gonna get you and Weldon real quick. No, I don't need you, Weldon. You're, you're already busy. Beck, would you and Clay grab those uh, Lord's Supper trays and pass out the Lord's Supper for me? One of you go over on that end and start, and move. But both of you move to the middle. Colin, you might want to grab one too and you can fill in where they didn't. While we're doing this, I'm going to invite those that are going to be baptized to come and join me up here Clay, they might need some over yonder. Thank you. Oh, got it. Okay. All right. Hi. All right. Hold on one second. Lord Jesus invites you to come. Come to His table of mercy. Receive fresh grace from His nail-pierced hands. Eat from the bread of His salvation and drink from the blood of the Lamb. You join me.